Okay, everybody, so, so we're going to learn another piece from Eli Lapian on the Shrive Lev, page Reish Samach Gimel. He quotes a, uh, I don't know if it's a famous uh, piece from the Ramah, or it's not so famous, but it should be famous if it's not. <coughs> the Ramah, we all are familiar with for his Haggais, his glosses on Shulchan Aruch. Uh, Rabbi Yisuf Karoy was the... Mechaber, he was the one that wrote the actual uh, Shulchan Aruch, he's the Beis Yosef, and he wrote a, a, a he codified uh, the Shulchan Aruch, and then the Ramah came along and added on top of his Shulchan Aruch what he called the Mapa. Mapa means a tablecloth, it sort of was supposed to accompany the table of the Ramah, of the, of the Mechaber. Mechaber was writing halachas for for his kehila, for his uh, for his Eidah, which is the Svardim, and instead of making two separate Shulchan Aruchs, the Ramah decided to add his Haggais onto Rabbi Yosef Karay's Shulchan Aruch. He called them the Mapa, the tablecloth, and Rav Hutner has a beautiful letter describing the uh, the incorporation, uh, the amalgamation of the Mapa into the Shulchan Aruch. He's, he writes it so beautifully, I wish I had the, the letter in front of me, but he basically says that originally it started out as a table and a mapa on top of the table, but eventually the mapa sort of became subsumed into the table so that Klal Yisrael became unified through this one sefer, which has the Svardish and Hagim and the, and, and not just Minhagim, Halachas and, and the Ashkenazish, Halachas all together, and that became the Shulchan. He says that Klal Yisrael has eaten that for the for many many centuries now, and in good times and in bad times, on Yantif, on Shabbos, we eat from this table, and Leilenu Bishas Avelos and Saras, we eat at that table. This is the Shulchan Aruch that Klal Yisrael reaches for whenever they need to know what to do. And it's comprised of the Shulchan Aruch and the Mapa, which really became one. In one safer united. So the Ramah Ramesha Iserlish, which is the uh, the uh, the Rashi Tevis of the Ramah, um, so he wrote other svarim. He wrote the Darke Meisha, which is uh, more halachas. But then he wrote uh, some kabbalistic svarim, some mystical svarim. One of them is called the Tyrus Ha'el. I happen to have that safer at home. If you ever want to borrow it, um, you could borrow it, but I don't think you're going to understand much of it. It's a very difficult safer, not that I do, but um, uh, I just bought it because I thought it was cool to have another safer the Ramah, but I, I, I hardly ever use it because it's very, very difficult to understand. Um, but in the safer Tyrus Sa'ila, he brings a Misa, an amazing Misa, and he says like this, There was a great a uh, philosopher, his name was Afalton. I don't know if that's, what? It, it is Plato? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So Plato was the great philosopher. Bal Yerushalayim, he was a Greek philosopher, right? Okay, so it's very, it's in Yanadiyayma, with Hanukkah on its way. So he came to Yerushalayim in Nebuchadnezzar. With Nebuchadnezzar, I guess they were, I don't know, they were, they were boys, I guess. I don't know, Nebuchadnezzar and Plato had a shaykhs to each other? Is that documented? I don't know. This is, you know. Okay, I don't know either. So, 
After the Churban Beis Hamikdash, after Nebuchadnezzar went and destroyed the Beis Hamikdash, Nechnes Harabayas, he came to the Harabayas, Plato, Veras Yermiyah Navi Beiche Ma'id, Umeirim Kal Nehi Vekina Ala Churban. Plato lived in that time? That was the period of time of Plato? So early? Okay. I mean, this is. This is okay. Uh, no, it makes sense. It sounds. It looks like it, but okay. I just didn't know historically that that's the Tkufa that he lived in. Yirmiyahu Navi lived a long time ago. I don't know. I didn't know that Plato was so old. Anyway, but Yirmiyahu Navi was crying. And he was he was lamenting and 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 mourning and screaming and and going crazy over the Chorban. So Plato asks him two questions. You are the, 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 the elder of Klal Yisrael. You are the, the wise Chacham of Klal Yisrael. Why in the world are you crying over stones, over, over wood and stones? At the end of the day, it's a, it's a ruined palace, a ruined temple, and it's, of course, it's not nice to have anything destroyed, but at the end of the day, it's, it's stone, it's marble, it's wood. What are you crying over stone and, over stone and wood for? And number two, the house, this house is already destroyed. Makes no sense for a chacham to cry over something that's past. If you're, you know, maybe a fool cries over something that happened in the past because, but even though it doesn't have, there's no real use, you're not accomplishing anything, but all right, you cry, you're an emotional person. But a chacham, at least in Plato's world, should be cool, calm, and collected. You should always be able to, everything has to be rational, everything has to be logical. If you can't change it, and you can't go back in the past, so what are you crying for? You can't, if it's going to accomplish something, good. If not, not. So what do you, what's the Eiftovir? What's the accomplishment that you're doing? Those were the two questions that Plato asks. Again, number one, why are you crying over Eitzim and Avonim? At the end of the day, the structure is down. The structure was made of physical material, physical matter. And don't, don't cry over that. And... Number two, what's the point of crying? It happened already. So why are you crying on something that's past? This is what Plato asks Yermio. Veshavlo Yermiyahu ve'amarlai. Ata betur philosoph, yeshla vaday kamas vekas philosophias, asher adayin lo yadata pisreinam. I'm sure as a philosopher... There are many things that even you, the great Plato, do not know the answer to. I'm sure there are vexing philosophical uh, questions, svekas that you might have that uh, are unresolved. You've been, you know, sitting like the, uh, what's that artist, Rodin, the the thinker? Like you're sitting like the thinker, like day and night, thinking, trying to, you know, get to the bottom of what, uh, of these, these, these very, very difficult, thorny, uh, philosophical, theological questions. You must have many, many sve- such svekas, correct? Yes, I actually do. I have many, many of these svekas that I cannot resolve and it bothers me. 
I'm the best, right? I can't, who would, I don't even bother asking anybody because who's going to answer me? I'm, I'm, I'm the great Plato. If I, if I can't figure these things out, then who's going to figure it out? Who am I going to go to? It's like sort of what the, um, the, uh, the Taisus Yantif uh, explains the Mishnah in Avis. The Mishnah says, no, not in Abbas, it's in Kedushan, I think. Taiv Shabaraifim Legehenim. I believe it's the end of Kedushan. The, the best of doctors go to Gehenim. That's a very non flattering thing. For your pre med guys, right, you might want to consider, reconsider your major. I mean, you're going to, that's that, after all, after 10 years, I thought the 10 years of medical school is Gehenim, but then you find out that. You know, that you have a lot more Gehenim awaiting you. It doesn't make sense. Doctors are nice people. All my, the doctors I have are very fine, you know, fine people. What's the, why, why are you sending them off to Gehenim? What's the pshat on the mission? So the Yantiv says a beautiful pshat. He says that the mission doesn't say, Reifim, go to Gehenim. The mission says, Taishev, Reifim, again, the best of the doctors. You know, the doctors, I don't know, every doctor I ever go to has like a U.S. News and World Report, top doctors, top New York doctors, New York Magazine or something. It turns out they have to pay for that. It took me many years to, to figure that out. But, uh, but if you're a top doctor, not if you're a regular, you know, run-in-the-mill doctor, you're go, you go to Ilamabo. But if you're the Spitz doctor, you're the number one cardiologist in the, in the country. You're the number one uh, radiologist. So you're going to Gehenna. Why? Because let's say you have a, uh, a medical issue that comes before you and you don't really know what to do. It, you, you see it, you're looking at an x-ray up to the light and it's like a weird uh, thing going on inside of the person's heart. Or you're an oncologist, Leilano, and there's something, a weird growth you never saw before. So what's going to happen? If you're a regular doctor, so you... You, you seek counsel, you seek advice from other doctors, you play, send an email blast, I don't know, to all the people in your field or on your, put on your WhatsApp, so I'm sure there's a WhatsApp chat for, uh, you know, for, peop- for the doctors in your field, and hey, did anyone ever experience such an x-ray? Anyone see this? Anyone know how to, how to treat this? And I'm not embarrassed because I'm just a regular doctor like you are, but if let's say I'm the number one doctor doesn't pass for me to go to any other. Everyone knows I'm the number one doctor. I'm, I'm gonna, if I ask you for advice and you're not the number one doctor, then what does that make me if you know it and I don't know it? So I'm not going to seek advice. I'm just going to operate in the, in, the, in the dark. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to probably end up killing the patient. So Taiv Shebarei from the best of the doctor to go to because it doesn't, the gaiva kills him. The gaiva is going to be able to make him murder somebody because he doesn't want to ask anyone for advice. If you'd open it up to other people, people would probably, it's a big world out there, and there's probably somebody that could help out and know, know a little bit about it that you might not know. So that's sort of like what happens here to Plato. Plato is like the Plato. We still know who Plato is after all these uh, millennia, right, for some reason. So he must have really been big. How many philosophers already do we know? There's Plato, Aristotle, and that's it, right? Were there any other philosophers in Socrates? Socrates. Um, any others? Okay. Some others throughout the centuries, maybe Renaissance around there, something like that. When did he live? When did, when did Plato live? Do you know? 
Five years ago, maybe. Um, anyway, so that is what happened to Plato. Plato had all these shilas. He's not going to ask like a, some you know second-rate philosopher his fake because it doesn't pass. It's not appropriate for him to ask. So he was stuck with all these philosophical quandaries. Okay, Amrlo Yirmiyahu. So Yirmiyahu says, "And Marli Aisam has Tell me all of your sakes. Give me the laundry list. Give me the whole list of sveikas that you have, and I will answer every one of your questions. So Plato says, okay, fine, go for it. Here's my sveikas. It wasn't even like a shaila. It wasn't even a... He didn't even have to spend time thinking about Yirmiyanov. He just like, one after another. He was just batting it out of the park, one after another. So Plato got very, uh, um, he got like, he got rattled a little bit. He got startled by this. He couldn't believe that there was a human being so full of wisdom. How is it possible? I thought I was so smart. I'm nothing compared to this man. I want you to know something, says Yermio. This brilliance that you hear from me, you know where I got this wisdom from? It wasn't a natural you know, whiz. I wasn't born brilliant. The entire chachma that I have comes from these etzim vavanim on which we stand. The Beis HaMikdash is the source of Chachma. The base Mishra was the source of Tyra. And from that Tyra, I was able, from that Kedusha, from that Ruach, I was able to derive all of my Chachma. So that was basically the first, the answer to the first question. Plato had two questions, if you remember. His first question was, what are you crying over Eitz and Avanim? Because he didn't understand what the base of Mikdash was. Maybe we don't understand what the Eitz and Mikdash was. Yirmiyah Navi says, the brilliance that I have is not from me. The brilliance that I have is from the Beis HaMikdash. They say over from Rabbi Kivager, it might be in, the, in his Biurim on, on Mishnayis, I'm not sure, but, you know, when we say uh, in Pirkei Yavis, we say, Yiratzai um, Mofanecha, what does it say? She the same chalkein and b'sayrasecha. We daven that Hakadosh Baruch Hu should build the base of Mikdash quickly, speedily in our days. We want the base of Mikdash. The same chalkein and b'sayrasecha, and give our give our, give us our chelik and tyra. What does chelik and tyra? What does that have to do with the base of Mikdash? Why can't I learn in the base of Mikdash right now and get my chelik and tyra? The answer is that through the base of Mikdash, and this is exactly what Yirmiyah Navi was saying. Through the Beis HaMikdash itself, we are able to be Shayev Chachma. Today we have, uh, we have a very, very small amount of Chachma that we are we're able to understand the Tyra. The Tyra is very, very diminished. We have Tyra Baruch Hashem, but, but with the Churban Beis HaMikdash, we also lost a lot of Chachma Satyra. The Maral speaks about this at length, about how since Klal Yisrael and the Torah are one, so when Klal Yisrael 
were dispersed into Gaulus, the Tyra also became exiled and, and it's, it's, it's scattered. The, the wisdom of Tyra is not, it's not, it's not one, it's not unified, it's not whole. It's scattered, it's fra- fractured. And so we need the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is a source of Chachma. If we want our own personal Chelek in Torah, we have to dive in the Beis HaMikdash to be rebuilt because until it's rebuilt, we will never be able to fully realize our personal Chelek in Torah. And about your second question, how doesn't, it's not, doesn't, it's not befitting a wise man to cry over spilled milk, something that happened. What are you crying over it for? He says, I can't answer that question to you. Because you simply will not be able to understand my answer. This is what the, this is brought in a very reliable source. If you're questioning the veracity of this story, don't question it. Because if the Ramah himself brings it, it's it's Tara it's Tara Samus, it's it's Tara Misina. The, the Ramah is not bringing Baba Maisa. The Ramah is bringing this story. I don't know exactly if it is Plato. We're we're relying on our friend that that is Plato. I don't know if it's Plato or not. So don't get the the timeline might be off. But whatever philosopher this is, if it's not Plato, a different philosopher. If the Ramah is bringing it, just like we have to have them, he has Nemanus on every single Hagan Shulchan Arach, and we live, Uvnei Yisrael, Uvnei Yisrael, Eilam B'yad Rama, what's Lashen? Yitzim B'yad Rama, so the play on, that, the, that, that play Yisrael says, Bnei Yisrael, Yitzim B'yad Rama, we go out, B'yad Rama, with the Rama, Klai Yisrael goes out with, every single day, we go out with the Rama, so the Rama, this, this story is, uh, has is definitely MS if he's if he's bringing it. Did you want to ask me something? Well, yeah, I was gonna ask us because recently the story was your your Miyahu and Navi, right? Yeah. So you know, Navi was first basically. I just I was confused because I mean I don't know for sure, but uh, Plato should be in the second by the yeah, Greeks. Yeah, Yavane, and that's right, also yeah. Confused. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm also confused. I don't. I don't. Okay, uh, I, 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 we have to look this up. It should be with Google. We should be able to solve this in about one point three seconds. But uh, okay, so anyway, that's the story. So listen to this Haisafa. The great Saba Mikalmi is one of the three great Talmidim of Yisrael Salanter. He was, of course, the founder of the the Shiva and Kalim, the Talmud Torah of Kalim, the Musar Citadel. He says, he didn't explain this. He didn't speak this out to Plato because he didn't think Plato would have the cup to understand it. He says, but I know the answer. I, the ultimate of says, I know the answer. Because when we cry in the Beis HaMikdash, we're not crying over what happened. It's not over spilled milk. It's on the future. Kishari Dima because the gates of tears are never locked. 
So when we cry, we're crying to Hashem. We're using those tears to, to get through the gates. The way that we're going to be to the next base on Mikdash is only through crying, through the gates of tears that never lock. And so the tears of Yirmiyah and Navi were not tears about the past, but they were tears, maybe it was about the Churban, but it was also, uh, it, was, it had a futuristic purpose in that he was trying to, to plant the seeds, to wet the soil to plant the seeds for the next base Hamikdash to be built. But a guy can't understand this. This is something that a Jew could understand. A guy is not able to understand this. This is too, too esoteric. It's too mystical for a guy to understand There's a gate that there's a gate of tears and it's not locked and, and you're going to be able to cry and, and, and that will affect the future. That's something that a, a guy would not be able to understand. And the author says one more thing about this. What we could see from this is the greatness of the sanctity of an neshama of a Jewish soul. Something that a hedgish, a regular, simple person is able to understand. Meaning, everyone in this room, when I just said that, I didn't see anyone rolling their eyes. I didn't see anyone grunting. I didn't see anyone like scratching their head and saying, I don't understand what he's saying. We all can understand that. It's not such a, what the Alta ben Sabatka is saying is not rocket science for us. It's not deep philosophy. It's, it's Pasha. We live with this. This is a, this is a regular Dvar that we might say at the Shabbos table. That tears are not just for the past. Tears are going to be able to affect the future. And we're crying over not just what was, but what, how things could be different it's something that a regular yid understands. It's not a, it's not a, you don't have to be a philosopher to do this. And Something that the great philosopher Plato was not able to be aiming on. Yermiyot didn't even like bother, like, I don't want to waste my breath on you. Is something that a regular Jewish neshama has the capacity to understand. It's an amazing thing. It's amazing the power that uh, a yid. And you know what? I'll, I'll I'll extend what he says to anything, to anything. If you think this is like a little bit, I don't really understand this. Plato, philosophy, you know, Gaim, Jews. Let me ask you a question, okay? What we're learning in, in yeshiva every day, whether you're learning kedushin, whether you're learning Kama, whether you're learning smicha uh, stuff, whatever it is. And you have a, let's say you have a Machlegis Rashi and Taisis, and then you have a, you have a Pnei Yeshua, and Pnei Yeshua resolves the Machlegis Rashi and Taisis, there's a Marsha, and there's a Marshal, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of Marmachimus. For a regular Yeshiva Bacher, a regular good Yeshiva Bacher, whether it's in this Yeshiva or another Yeshiva, you can come to a Shia, or you can do the, do the Marmachimus on your own, and you'll be able to be Aymed on on everything that's going on. It might be a very esoteric type of sugya, something that's not at all, right? Whatever it is, it's a difficult sugya, but, you know, you basically, you'll be able to, to get through it and to explain to your chavrusa, to explain to yourself, and, and to understand it. Now, let me ask you a simple question. I don't mean to be in any way, uh, you know, racist or, uh, you know, not racist, but like uh, anti-this, anti-that. 
if you would take a regular guy in the street, pull him off the street, any, any guy that passed by the yeshiva building, uh, it could be a smart, it could be a Harvard graduate, it doesn't matter, pull him into the base medrash and ask him and, and try to sit down with him and explain to him, obviously he doesn't know Aramaic, he doesn't know Hebrew, but just explain to him the concepts. How far would he be able to get into these concepts before he just like throws up his hands and, and walks out? You know, he, a, a guy has no, no shaykhs to, to Tyra. Just doesn't. It's just not because, you know, we're so brilliant. It's just because there's something in our neshama that's holy, that has a kesher pnimia, an internal bond with the Tyra that enables us to be conversant in things that are very, they might be like beyond the scope of a human mind, but because we're Klal Yisrael, we have the ability, we have the gift to, to understand it. A guy doesn't have that. A guy doesn't have tyrosy. He doesn't understand that. It, it's just it, a, a regular sugya. Sometimes, you know, sometimes, it, you know, if you tell it over to somebody, they have no idea what you're talking about. Even a dvar you know, you take a dvar in the parsha that you could sit around the Shabbos table and say, if there's a guy sitting in the room, not because he's not smart, he could be the smartest guy, he's not going to be able to understand it. It's just not going to, it's just not, uh, you know, he'll, he'll try, but he's not going to be able to. There's a certain thing about Tyra that's holy and that's Kaddish that even simple people are able, simple Jews are able to, to understand it to a certain degree and even the smartest guy will not be able to. It's just going to be like way over their head. Not going to understand it. This is the Yisai that we take away from this Ramah. And it's very appropriate to learn. The reason why I chose this particular piece before Hanukkah is because it really is a, a very important message to us as B'nai Tyre as we go into Hanukkah because Hanukkah was a time in history that Jews were very enamored by philosophy. The philosophy that the Greeks were developing and again, you know, I'm not a philosophy major at all but there was, there's something beautiful about Yafes. There's something very beautiful and very tantalizing about the depth of philosophy. And it's something maybe that it's the closest perhaps that a guy could get to being, having some kesher with, you know, with, with a, with a, with a chachma that's above, above them that's not Tyra. And the Jews were also very enamored by it and they wanted to. They were, they became misyabdim. They became, part of the Greeks. They wanted to attach themselves onto this Greek Chachma. And what we're celebrating on Hanukkah is the fact that not just we were miraculously able to, to beat back the forces of, of the Greek and their, their culture and their philosopher, philosophy and their, and their mission, but the triumph of Tyra, the triumph of Tyra Shabal Peh specifically, and the way that our Tyre Shabbat Peh is, is so much greater, so much richer, so much deeper, so much holier than any Chachma that the Yavanim, and I extend the Yavanim to any, any of the, the, the many branches of wisdom that exist in the world, whether it's math or whether it's uh, science or whether it's music or what, any, of the, any of the Chachmas, which are, they're not far into to Tyre. Tyre sort of contains all of these Chachmas within them. But to the degree that we become in love with these types of chachmas, that are chachmas chitzainias, they're not naturally 
um, part of the Tyra, they're coming, they're, they're separate. So we see from this story that there's no Kesher in the world, that the Chachma of Tyra, if we would work on just understanding a single Tysis, it would be greater than all of the, all of the, uh, the Chachma that could ever come out of philosophy. A hundred Plato's could not match up to one line in Rashi. It's just not, it's, it's, it's Shemaim Baritz. It doesn't, you see that as, as much as Plato is still known, the fact that his name is even known by us in the world, in, in our world today, means that he must have been a great Chacham because there's, there must have been 10,000 Chachamim like him or sort of like him, but we don't know their names. But Plato was obviously somebody very great. And look at the story. The story s- says that he didn't understand, he didn't have a, a Shaychas, he didn't even, he wasn't able, able to be masig what Yermio was crying over. He didn't understand what the Beis HaMikdash was. He didn't understand why you're crying over something that happened in the past. And every Bar Rav is able to understand the tyrants that the Alta Fun Kalim gave because Tyra is, is infinite. It's holy. It's Nitzchi. And all the other things in the world, unless it's used as part of Tyra, if you're learning a sugya in, in Shas that involves Pai, that now Pai becomes something very holy. But if it's just Tam Chachma for the sake of Chachma, it's great to be able to know it, to, you know, to do well in your finals, to get a good uh, GPA and to get a good, good parnasa. that's fine. But in terms of thinking that there's something to it and that it's able to somehow be equal to, to Chachma Satira, even though it's the same mark on the, you know, same grade as a Talmud grade and, and philosophy might be, you know, one, after, one under the other on, the, on, the, on, your, uh, on your report card, but... It's it's Shemaimar, it's the brilliance of Tyra, the holiness of Tyra, the Nitzchis of Tyra is something that you can't even begin to compare. You can't put him put him in the same universe in terms of comparing one to the other. And it's important for us, I think, to to understand that, to appreciate what we have, the gift of Tyra, the Saint Chalkanim Basarasacha, our Khalik and Tyra, we each have a very, very important mission in our life, and that's to unearth to dig up our own personal chelik and tyra. You'd be surprised. You'd think that, I don't have a chelik and tyra. You know, he might have a chelik. He might have a, I, me, I have a chelik and tyra. What chelik and tyra? Do you, let's say I would tell each and every one of you that you have 10 svarim that you're really destined to write by the end of your life. Would you believe me? Would you believe me? Would you think it's true or you think I'm, I'm lying? The Nitziv, there was a story, famous story about the Nitziv. The Nitziv, not going to get into it, but the Nitziv was, he wasn't such a great student when he was young and his parents were already wanting, wanting him to be a carpenter and he overheard a conversation between his parents that like he's getting, you know, he's getting in trouble in yeshiva. It's not for him. Obviously, we have to let him be a good balabas better than wasting his day in yeshiva. Anyway, he decided then to have a change of heart. He's going to start learning. The great Nitziv, we don't have many gedalim on the level of the Nitziv. And he became the Nitziv, and he wrote a sefer called Hamik Shaila. He wrote a lot of sefer. One of them was on the Shultis. And he made a Suda when he published it, and he said that this isn't just a Suda uh, because I'm finishing a sefer. This is a Suda because it's a Haidah Takarish Baruch because I would have died, and after 120 years, I would have come up to Shamayim, and they would have said, you know, where's your Hamik Shaila? Where's your Seir? Hamik what? My harmonica? What, what's what's, what's Amik Shaila? What, 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 what do you want from me? No, no, no. Your, your book, your savior. A book, uh, my, my catalog of uh, Stenders. Here, here's my catalog of Stenders. Yeah, I was a carpenter. 
No, no, no. You were destined to write a safer on the Shultis. Me? I, I, was, I was supposed to write a safer on the Shultis? Come on, you're not talking to me, right? No, no, we're talking to you. And he says, so now I'll be able to go up to Shamayim because I actually did it. I wrote a safer in the Shultis. He found his Chalik in Tyra. And he wrote on Chumash, and he wrote on Shas, and he wrote... We all have a Chalik in Tyra. We all have our own Chalik in Tyra. We do. We just, it's, it's, that's the truth. We have our own Svarim to write. We have our own Chidushim. It's a lifelong, it's a lifetime process. First you have to learn, and you have to chazer, and you have to learn some more, and you have to get a lot of ideas into it, and then you have to think, and you have to spend time, and you have to, to have a melos. But if you want, you could write Svarim beyond your wildest expectations, beyond your wildest dreams, because you have a chelik entire. There's no, just the guys with the long, long white beards, they're not the only ones that have a chelik. We all have chelik entire. It's just a matter of internalizing what we learn and, and building ourselves. And that's, that's something that we have to think about. As we go into Hanukkah, I want to be the greatest version of myself. I have an ashama that's, it's infinite, I have holiness, holiness is infinite, I have, a, I have a Tyra that's infinite, and let me try to embrace the Tyra and understand it and learn it and love it and live with it and, and develop my own Chidushim eventually, Mitzvah This is something that I think is an important site as we go into the, the days of Hanukkah.